Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina, or Ag at NC. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry. That's agriculture. On this week's program, my co-host Jeff Turner and I will ponder some of the headlines that are affecting farmers right here in our state. Spoiler, the dicamba story from last week is a little less bitter in its ending. Details on that are just ahead. Also on this week's show, we'll get up with Brandon Cole of Harvey's Fertilizer and Gas Company in our Ag and NC Extra. And Jeff Turner had a chance to sit down and talk some farm issues with NC Senate Ag Chair Brent Jackson from the 9th District and President Pro Tem of the State Senate, 13th District Senator Phil Berger. Ag and NC is made possible by Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Find links to those folks on our website, agandnc.com. Bring in my co-host, Jeff Turner, COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Ag. Mr. Turner, how are things in the home county, Duplin County? i got to tell you, D.C. is great today. I hope things are well with you. Last week, you mentioned that your wife saw a bee or two and um, spring wasn't far away. I felt it this past week. I felt it a little bit. Seemed, seemed springy. I believe we're going to get there. It certainly appears that I'm certain there's cold weather yet ahead, but the groundhog made his prediction, and, you know, he's always right. <laughs> so uh, the, the the best gauge I got is Easter comes a little early this year. Wow. And so that's about as good an indication with the moon phases and that sort of thing as I can give you that would indicate we probably will have a little earlier spring. You know, I'm sure it happens every few years, but Ash Wednesday and uh, St. Valentine's Day on the same day, I don't remember that happening. That's a first for me as well. Yeah, I, yeah hold on. Uh, let's fabulous thing, this Internet. Yeah, you know, the last time that happened, Jeff, was 1945, so uh, first time for both of us. By the way, I think Punxsutawney Phil's as good as any meteorologist. <laughs> or economist. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Hey, there was some headlines in agriculture. Last week we reported on the program a commercial turkey operation in Lenore County tested positive for high-path avian influenza. This is the first case of HPIA in commercial poultry in North Carolina since 2022 when we had nine farms in Johnson and Wayne counties. Updating the story from last week, state veterinarian Mike Martin says the NCDA is following the HPIA protocol, testing flocks in a six-mile radius. So far, that surveillance testing has shown all negative. That's a great thing. Yeah. Again, they basically draw a circle around where the positive farm is, and again, within a six-mile radius, because that's kind of what they believe is the maximum amount of drift that you're going to get or carry. If you check within six miles and you find one on within the area, you go another six miles, draw another circle, and, and, and that's how they, they try to follow this and make sure that it's not spreading. So hopefully it's going to be isolated and it can be tamped down pretty quickly. That was one of the concerning stories from last week. We had another in our long-form interview, and some good news on that as well. The EPA has issued an existing stock order for Ingenia, Tevium, and Extendamax, previously labeled for use as dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. The order authorizes limited sale and distribution of these products already in possession of growers and retailers. Use must be consistent with the previous labels. Furthermore, the existing stock order allows sale and distribution of Ingenia, Tevium, and Extendamax. Extendamax for use in dicamba-tolerant soybeans until May 31st, 2024 this year, and dicamba-tolerant cotton until June 30th, 2024. Cut-off dates for use of over-the-top remains June 30th for soybeans, July 30th for cotton. Amazing. Common sense actually prevailed one time in Washington, D.C. I'm impressed. Totally, totally impressed. 
The Board of <laughs> Bull Evil Eradication Foundation of North Carolina has set the 2024 Bull Evil Assessment, 75 cents per acre for cotton, same as 2023. Farmers in 47 North Carolina counties grew 375,888 certified acres of cotton last year. Acres represent 17.3% decrease from 2022. We did see a shift. Top three cotton-growing counties, Halifax, Edgecombe, and Bertie. The BWE Foundation pays for contractors to install green-colored traps and monitor them at late summer until harvest, frost, because of the focus of the North Carolina program shifting from eradication to monitoring, the number of traps in the state has decreased. Each trap now is critical. Farmers are encouraged to contact the foundation if traps are damaged or knocked down. 6,500 traps placed to maintain in North Carolina last year. When did we eradicate bull weevils? It, was it in your lifetime? It, it was, actually. The bull weevil decimated the cotton industry or the cotton farming many, many years ago. And again, you know, it's, it's a weevil. It, uh, it it basically attacks the fruit of the cotton, which is the bowl itself. Uh, it was a cooperation, a cooperative effort between USDA and the state of North Carolina and Virginia that set about this program in the late 60s, I believe, to go about the business of eradication. Part of that was done not only by new insecticides, but they even distributed sterile males trying to break up the breeding of the weevil. So the combination of those two things is what got us to where we are today, that we you know we've got a, an industry that that's come back and, and North Carolina is a is fairly large producer of cotton. And without that cooperation between USDA, NCDA and the growers, we wouldn't have a cotton industry in the state. So a huge success program. How big are these little rascals? Are they like an inch? They're less than that. They're tiny. Uh, been they, a long time since I've seen a weevil, but they, they got a body and a snout, and, and they, they again, the, the larvae is left in, inside the bowl itself. They hatch out, and they start eating. A quote from Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack during congressional hearings last week. There will be chaos in the U.S. meat marketplace without congressional action on California's Prop 12 law that tightened animal requirements for pork products sold in the state. For new listeners to our program, California voters approved Proposition 12 back in 2018. It was upheld in the U.S. Supreme Court in 2023. Law establishes standards. The law establishes new standards for confinement for egg-laying hens, breeding pigs, and calves raised for veal. As of this year, California businesses are banned from selling eggs, whole cuts of uncooked pork, or veal that come from animals raised in any state that have been housed in ways that don't meet those requirements. The secretary went on to say, when each state has the ability to define for itself and its consumers exactly what farming techniques and practices are appropriate, it creates the possibility of 50 different sets of rules and regulations. <laughs> that was profound, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Master well, of the obvious, our secretary of agriculture. I got to tell you, I mean, it's uh, it was cl clearly hidden in the detail somewhere. I'm glad he found it. Uh, Again, that's what we've been saying all along, and for my part, I continue to say it, no pork for you, California. I, I, I mean, that's the way you fix it. Fifteen or sixteen percent of the market in the United States is, is the California market for pork. By, by the way, their population continues to decrease every year because everybody's leaving that crazy place. The percentage of the market is going to go down simply because people aren't going to be living there amongst all the crazy people. Without regard to how their pork product is raised, they can get ground pork that is uh, not from uh, 
Prop 12 does not cover ground pork. I just well, I, they're going to they're going to eat a lot of sausage, I guess. Yes, theoretically, they could eat a bunch of sausage. You won't have a pork chop. You'll have sausage tonight. Jeff, a, a, a couple weeks back during the Southern Farm Show in Raleigh, you hosted a fireside chat at the Agriculture Partners Dinner. Give us your overview of that, because we're going to air some of the audio from that on today's program. I was asked to be a part of this fireside chat that was uh, sponsored by NC Ag Partnership. And I had uh, Senator Brent Jackson, who obviously chairs agriculture in the Senate, and uh, President Pro Tem, Senator Phil Berger. And basically, we talked about a number of things, the Farm Act, the things that they changed with regard to appointments to certain committees, Sue and Settle, for instance, we touched several topics that I thought were pretty important, and and those gentlemen did a good job. I was real pleased to be a part of that. That's just ahead. You're listening to Ag and NC. And thanks to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, Got to Be NC, North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture, it's Got to Be NC. This is Ag and NC on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Jeff Turner had the opportunity to moderate a discussion with Senate Ag Chair Brent Jackson and President Pro Tem of the North Carolina Senate, the Honorable Phil Berger. What follows is that conversation taken from the North Carolina Ag Partnership Dinner in Raleigh at the Southern Farm Show. Now here's Jeff Turner. Senate Bill 512, let's talk about that a bit. That, that has really been something that has shaken Raleigh to its core. T- tell us how that came about and 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 what brought it about what what brought you to the decision to run that piece of legislation allow some of those members to be chosen by general assembly or by the president pro tem and speaker yeah so uh, for those who are students of north carolina history north carolina has a long and storied history of uh, having uh, real uh, the people of north carolina having real suspicion about uh, the executive branch. We probably elect more executive offices than any state in the nation. Our executive is, uh, is split up amongst uh, uh, the governor, the attorney general, the uh, superintendent of public instruction, the labor commissioner, the ag commissioner, the insurance commissioner. Uh, in many states, a lot of those positions are appointed, but not in North Carolina. And so 512 uh, actually was, uh, was a bill that recognizes uh, in many respects, uh, the fact that we do not have a unitary executive. We're, we're not like the federal government. Our Constitution is not like the federal Constitution as far as that's concerned. And so uh, with reference to the Environmental Management Commission, uh, we thought it was perfectly appropriate as long as the executive branch has a majority of the appointments. And we thought that, uh, that the uh, Agriculture Commissioner was perfectly well-suited to pick two people to occupy seats uh, on that commission. The lawsuit that the governor has brought about that is the lawsuit where his position again is that the executive branch has to do what he believes is the right policy. Regardless of what the General Assembly has done, that's really what brought it about is to uh, make sure that, that we were actually honoring longtime North Carolina tradition uh, as far as executive branch is concerned. Well, I would just agree. I mean, who else has more input or sees the, the need to have people on the Environmental Commission than Commissioner Troxler or the Commissioner of Agriculture? 
because about everything they do involves either ag, forestry, fisheries. So, I mean, perfect. I mean, I thought it was a great thing to do and at the right time. We'll have more in just a moment. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations. Lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. We were listening in on a discussion hosted by Jeff Turner at the North Carolina Ag Partnership Dinner, run in conjunction with the Southern Farm Show. Jeff is talking to North Carolina Ag Chair Brent Jackson and to 13th District Senator Phil Berger, President Pro Tem of the North Carolina Senate. Let's talk about my favorite topic, the media and, and all the false things that take place in media. And I go back and I look at what happened with Boss Hog series, and we've been dealing with that sort of thing for a long, long time. And now folks like McClatchy, who ran a hit piece on poultry growers in the poultry business this past year. Basically, that was a story that was paid for and then put into the newspaper as if it was something that was some sort of investigative journalism that took place. How do farmers and business people and, more importantly, policymakers, you, you guys you guys read this, how do we shield ourselves against those sorts of things? Well, I don't read many papers. I mean, I do read the clips, but, you know, I normally like to read the cliff notes of the clips. So, you know, uh, so I, I'm not well educated by the papers. We're at a war, folks. If you have not figured that out, Agriculture is in a war. We have been in a war for a number of years, but it's really getting worse each and every day. These left or right extremists, whichever way you want to go, these extremists, they've got one goal. They attacked the swine industry several years ago. We fought that and tried to put in laws to curtain that. And I think for some, we were somewhat successful. This year and last year, they're on the poultry industry. They've been on the tobacco industry forever. I think most in the year with the tobacco crowd would agree with that. Next year, they're going to be on something else. The following year, they're going to be on something else. Because we are at war. And if we don't act and react and provide insight and be progressive in moving against these attacks because they've got one goal in mind. I'm convinced that this is Brent's opinion, which is not worth a whole lot. But in my opinion, their main goal is they want North Carolina ag and American ag out of business. That's what they want. I think that is obvious in what we've seen in these lawsuits, what we have seen in these frivolous news stories that appear to be legit. So, folks, we need to wake up. But how we can combat that is doing exactly what we're doing here tonight. The North Carolina Agriculture Partnership was formed for such a day as this, to fight the lies and untruths that are being told by the mainstream medias and those out there that is against us raising our hogs and our chickens in the way we have done it for years and in a safe manner. Proposition, what is it, 12 out of California? Have y'all kept up with that? I know a lot of you have. That it will be detrimental to these United States if this is spread across from California. I know we seem to have a tendency, whatever California does, I've noticed in the past, there's a sector in North Carolina wants to do the same thing. 
We do not want to do that here. So we need to keep folks and groups like this going. With the Farm Bureau has done a great job. But at the end of the day, and I, I'm, I'm going to get up and get on my stump. Is that okay? Please do. And I want you to listen to me. I don't care if you are a half-acre herb grower in the mountains of North Carolina, or you have 25,000 acres in the black lands, some of the best land in the world. When ag is being attacked, we need to unite all together across this state and across this nation as one force. One force. I don't the lawyer's know. next. Well, I don't know how you really follow that because, I mean, this man is speaking from the heart and he's speaking from experience and he's speaking from a lifetime of trying to make sure that uh, people are fed, uh, a lifetime of making sure that uh, our ag community uh, remains a strong force uh, in North Carolina. But what I would say is that the, uh, the legacy mainstream media, for the most part, is no longer... Uh, uh, made up of organizations that are in business or in place to inform. They are in business and in place to advocate for a particular policy or a particular outcome. That's the bad news because they have the biggest megaphone uh, in the state. Uh, They have the biggest megaphone in our country. The good news is that organizations like this Social media, which gets a lot of uh, negatives, it is true today that many people understand that they're being force-fed information uh, by the mainstream media, and they're choking on it. Uh, They, uh, people more and more, are getting their information from social media, which can be good, can be very dangerous. But uh, the democratization of information is a very real thing. And uh, we've got to make sure that accurate information is uh, in place so that people can acquire that information, absorb that information, and make their own decisions as to what uh, needs to be done. Can't thank you both enough for taking time to do this this evening. I think it's probably a good time then, but I got to tell you on behalf of everyone in this room, I believe they all agree with me how much we all appreciate what both of you have done for agriculture in North Carolina over these last several years. From the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate it. We've been listening to excerpts from a fireside chat hosted by Jeff Turner at the North Carolina Ag Partnership in Raleigh. His guests were North Carolina Senate Ag Chair Brent Jackson and 13th District Senator Phil Berger, the President Pro Tem of the North Carolina Senate. I'll have last week's commodity numbers week over week in just a moment. You're listening to Agriculture in North Carolina on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. This is an Ag and NC Extra. Brandon Cole from Harvey's Fertilizer and Gas is with us. And, Brandon, sounds like you're standing out in the field somewhere. Well, not in the field. I'm in the yard here at the, the corporate office. Where is the corporate office? We are based in Kenston here. 
you know, we've got 15 total, but the core of those stores are here in eastern North Carolina, so we don't have anything west of 95. That, I assume, is because of the commonality of products and growers here in the eastern part of the state. Yes, sir. We've based our business on uh, cotton, number one, tobacco, sweet potatoes, and, and crops like that. And uh, we just feel like, you know, being localized to those crops, we serve the eastern part of North Carolina better. Yeah, and started that way, too. I mean, we're not talking about a company that started 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. We were founded 1871, you know, right after the Civil War. And, you know, we've been through that whole time. We've been family owned. That is something that's kind of unique about us. Um, we're still owned by the by the Harvey family. Obviously, we know you as a fertilizer company, but so many more facets to Harvey's. We operate two cotton gins, so we are in the cotton gin business. We also have a propane division that's eight stores here in eastern North Carolina, and it's under the brand uh, Tidewater Energy. They do residential propane and propane for tobacco barns and chicken houses and stuff like that on the ag side as well. We also have a seed cleaning facility where we clean uh, beans and wheat for uh, major seed brands. Uh, also, we do our own uh, cleaning for our own seed brands there as well, and that's, that's in Mount Olive. And Harvey's also does some paperwork stuff, too, like ag information and financing. That's a, a big, strong uh, part of our business. We do a lot of in-house financing. We pride ourselves on service. That's something that's a little unique with us. A lot of the dollars that we do you know, lend out are Harvey's dollars. People that have dealt with us in the past, they will tell you that we, um, we understand the growers, their needs a little bit better. We understand tobacco, we understand sweet potatoes, and, and our credit department knows uh, the challenges that come along with some of those crops. So maybe not just a handshake, but there is there is a company that still kind of operates on a one-to-one basis with a handshake. That's right. you got trucks and sprayers and, and fertilizer spreaders. It must be like a rodeo when you get all them together. Yes, so we do spread a lot of fertilizer. We we do spray a, a lot of our own chemicals. And, uh, you know, one thing that's a little bit different from us, you know, compared to some competitors, you know, we still spray, you know, at least four or five outlets that do a lot of spraying on their own. When you mention Harvey's to most people here in eastern North Carolina, they would see us as a fertilizer company, meaning they rely heavily on fertilizer and our spreaders and our applicators to make sure that fertilizer is applied the way it should be. Thanks, Brandon. Harvey's Fertilizer and Gas. In fact, you can find them at harveysfertilizerandgas.com. This is Ag and NC. I'm Dan Miller. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is the only Chevy GM dealer in Eastern Carolina to become an AgPAC dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you probably already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars and Wallace or online at BillCaroneGM.com. Let's check commodity prices week over week. North Carolina egg prices were steady on all sizes when compared to last week. Supplies were mostly mixed to meet a moderate demand. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, February the 15th for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs. 339.81 for extra large, 336.84 for large, 239.51 for medium and 152 for small eggs. Number two yellow shell corn was 12 to 15 cents lower when compared to last week. Prices ranged mostly 408 to 504 at the feed mills, 393 to 506 at the elevators through Thursday, February the 15th. 
Number one yellow soybeans were 11 to 27 cents lower, range 11.67 to 12.22 at the processor, mostly 10.77 to 11.78 at the elevators. And number two red winter wheat was 5 to 22 cents lower and ranged 5.37 to 5.72 at the elevators. And that's this week's Ag and NC. Subscribe to the longer free podcast version on Apple or Spotify or download the IBX Media app. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Ag and NC is a production of Interbanks Media, copyright 2024. To advertise on the broadcast version or statewide podcast, head to agandnc.com. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, make it a great week.